Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. This week, We've got a very exciting podcast covering the DFB Pokal. Yes, we've seen some big guys crash out and others struggle badly. Then we're going to move on and talk about the Bundesliga as it's about to come upon us this weekend. Yes, it's back. We'll be talking about who the possible champions will be, who will maybe be in the top four, the middle of the pack, and then, unfortunately, the relegation battle. After that, we'll talk a little bit about tactics. Yes, we've got a very special guest on with us. And, yeah, I, I feel that that's an area we'll need to touch on as that's his expertise. Then we'll maybe even do our league predictions, the three of us. Yep, how wrong we'll be. Anyway, uh, joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, I feel like I, I live on Dune these days, Bryce. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you haven't seen it in the news. I, I'm in, in Canada at the moment, one of my two homes and, um, BC fires have blanketed the entire province with a thick layer of smoke. So we're all stuck inside looking outside and it looks like June out there. I'll, I'll post an update tomorrow to, to let you know how it looks like. But yeah, it's not, not happy times. I feel like I, I'm in a campfire nonstop. Hi. Well, I suppose you look a little bit like Sting. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope you're okay over there. Anyway, I just stay indoors watching football and writing about football. That's, that's what we enjoy anyway. But, uh, Chris Williams can't be with us this week, uh, unfortunately, but we've brought in quite the replacement. Uh, welcoming back is Constantine Eckner. Uh, Constantine, thank you very much for coming back on to the podcast. Um, for anyone that's tuned in since you were last on, uh, do you fancy just explaining what exactly you do? Yeah, so first off, guys, thanks for having me. Um, pleasure to be with you again. I'm the, first and foremost, I'm the, uh, editor of Spielverlagerung.com. Um, uh, I think more or less well known, uh, website that's dedicated to football tactics and Player scouting, coaching, uh, stuff, all, all, all the things that are a bit nerdy, but also interesting. And I guess our, uh, since our readership is growing, I guess uh, a lot of people enjoy what we are doing and enjoy that take on the game. So yeah, that's about me. I'm, I'm also working for some other outlets and German media, pop, uh, broadcasters and, but in terms of football, that's basically my, my mainstay. So 
Very good. Yes, and I must say it's very interesting stuff that you cover as well. I, I think we're all a little bit nerdy deep down inside, aren't we, when it comes to our football? Everyone seems to enjoy stats these days uh, and tactics. Uh, as the game gets more and more interesting, it seems, every year. But what is interesting is the sheer amount of goals that we've seen this weekend in the DFB Pokal as uh, German football truly did return. Uh, but some sides, uh, some of the big sides, didn't quite get it their way. Uh, Manu, we've seen the holders drop out. Eintracht Frankfurt, what exactly went on here? Yeah, this is the earliest the cup holder has gone out in quite some time, right, Constantine? This is, this is almost a new record. And I, I think this one is an interesting story by itself because it, it kind of underlines that there's still some issues at Frankfurt. At the same time, that first round of the cup, um, we've seen a lot of big sides struggle. Um, and, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on one, uh, the game that just ended um, before we went on here. Um, but Bayern even only managed a 1-0 um, victory over Trochtes and Asel, um, a fourth, fourth division team. So it kind of just shows, you know, the Bundesliga is only kicking off next weekend. These fourth and third and second division teams, they for the most part have been playing for the entire month already. And I think that's really the main source for some of the upsets. At the same time, you know, you have to, you have to beat Frankfurt have to beat a team like Ulm and advance. Um, we, we had this down as almost like a prep, another preparation match for Frankfurt last week when we spoke on the podcast. So this is a, a little, little embarrassing. Um, maybe a lot of embarrassment actually. Yeah, a bit of a shock, uh, really. Um, Constantine, I mean, surely you must have seen it as a, a bit of a shock as well. I mean, what, what exactly happened? Do you, do you think it's just uh, a matter of, uh, as Manu slightly touched on there, that, you know, the teams just haven't really got up and running yet, um, a little bit heavy legged, maybe, and maybe just a little bit slower than, than what they would be if, uh, if they played this game in two or three months' time? Yeah, obviously, uh, if they would have played it. In, in November, so usually you get a better performance out of these Bundesliga teams. Although I have to say, sometimes these cup matches are early on, they have a certain dynamic, especially if a, a Bundesliga side that will probably struggle a bit, will maybe battle relegation, plays against, let's say, a, a third division side that's uh, playing for promotion. So there's a, a different kind of momentum uh, behind it. Um, on Monday... Um, Freiburg only etched out a victory uh, at Cottbus after penalty shootout. And actually, I expected that, that it would be a close game because Freiburg will battle uh, relegation uh, this season while Cottbus might uh, go up into the second Bundesliga. So um, you've got a different kind of dynamic there. Um, the one team is really get used to scoring, being a bit more dominant possession, um, you know, having kind of the attacking flow going for them, while the other team is, the Bundesliga team is more about defending and, you know, keeping maybe a, a score, a goalless draw. Um, and then they have to go or travel to some of these um, pretty tricky edgy sides from the third or fourth division and then they have to play different kind of football game um, and that's hard for some of them but in terms of um, Frankfurt especially I guess a new coach lost a couple of players um, didn't really replace them I think and uh, will be a tough season for them in general and then they you know have a tricky match at Ulm and um, go out it's it's not un unheard of something like that has happened before and I think it might be a sign that Frankfurt will really struggle in their first season after Niko Kovac. A transitional year, I think, for them. I mean, they signed Kostic today. 
um, bad omen because he's got relegated with his two previous clubs, Stuttgart and Hamburg. But at the same time, I actually think that's a good signing for them. And I think they will have to have some more work uh, to be done until the end of the transfer window. And I think that game showed it. Yeah, but it's it's always tricky, right? I yeah. mean, I remember last year, uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, was supposed to be a transitional year under Peter Bosch. Um, then you you fail to win for an entire month or more, and then you you know the coach gets sacked, and you know the term transitional year is thrown out the window. Um, and if if Frankfurt gets really into deep water and and they you know struggle to get points and will be in the, in the relegation. Um, battle, then I think the front office uh, might, yeah, get a bit upset and maybe get rid of the coach and get a new one. So I don't know if you can have a transitional year if you're a club like Frankfurt, because um, mm. it's always always tricky for them. It's always tough uh, for them because they they lose a couple of players. Um, also, Ante Rebic, I don't think he will have another year like he had last year. It's just it was a bit overperforming there. Um, if you, you know, watch the World Cup the uh, last few matches. Um, you could see that maybe he overperformed a bit before that, and you know he will get back to normal. Um, and you lose Kevin Prince Boateng, pretty important player, and Mascarell hasn't played that much, but still. So and, and Marius Wolf. So ah, it's it's it can be really tough for them, and I don't think you can have a transitional year. Um, say with other teams, um, usually don't work that way. I mean, yeah. if, if you don't, if you don't pay attention, then you're in the second Bundesliga. I like think that. it's, I think it's, it's a real test for Frankfurt this, because, you know, for a long time, they, under Kovac and Bobic, the leadership under Kovac and Bobic was very harmonious and the club has very much changed from being the diva of the Bundesliga to, you know, almost a sea of harmony. And I think this is a real test for them now, the next upcoming weeks, whether they can actually sustain that. I think, um, I think Hütter, I think Hütter is a very good coach. I mean, what he did at Young Boys Bayern, a very similar club, of course, at Swiss level than Frankfurt, right? And he had a lot of success there, but it took him some time to get that system working. So I think this is a real good test for Frankfurt, not just for the, the players on the field, but also for the front office, et cetera. Yeah, what what you mentioned, you know, I, I I agree. Frankfurt was one of the divas of the Bundesliga, you know, besides Hamburg and Cologne, um, and both Frankfurt and Cologne transitioned. You know, they became more stable yeah. uh, be, because of the manager, because of the head coach, because the front office uh, trusted their uh, the people standing on the sideline and and the people in charge of of uh, all things um, you know football, um, but. Look at Cologne last last season. They got into trouble, and then these certain kind of mechanisms, um, you know, get rolling again. And then you can see that uh, there's there's some um, some dispute between the coach and the manager, and the coach and the chairman, or something like that. You know what happened at Cologne or Stöger? Um, and for years they talked about how Stöger uh, transitioned the club, and under Stöger that's a new club, and it's not the diva um, or one of the divas of the Bundesliga. But well. After all, if you get into a relegation battle, things change very quickly again. Um, and that could happen to Frankfurt as well, because Frankfurt and Cologne, you know, a little bit similar. At the big same city. time, though, one big difference, Stöger, they should have probably switched the coach when they reached that, uh, the Euro Europa League, right? Because they were ready to make that switch. But Frankfurt have done that. 
mean, Kovac has gone to Bayern and they have brought in a new coach who will bring in a new philosophy. So maybe that was exactly what they needed. Now, I mean, again, the cup game, we could be sitting here two weeks from now, like what cup game? Uh, who cares, right? So I think it, it's, we have to take this all with a little bit of a grain of salt, don't we? Well, but they got also steamrolled by Bayern and yeah, the Super Cup. True. And, and, Bayern, and it wasn't really Bayern a great is not the same Bayern that they used to uh, well, be. Well, but it wasn't really a great performance by Bayern, actually. Yeah, uh, it was just it was average. Uh, but they got steamrolled. Uh, in 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 the match, they took seriously. I mean, I know Super Cup. It's mm. it's a bit it's a bit of a tricky match. I mean, if you watch Barcelona against Sevilla and these these kind of Super Copa Super Cup matches, uh, but on the other end, they took it seriously. Um, and you know, they got blasted. It, they had no chance at all after you know after the first or second goal. Um, and they broke down, and that's kind of scary um of course it doesn't mean they will be relegated uh but it could mean uh it will be a really tough season and i i'm i'm intrigued i will i will, I will see if bobich and uh, people in charge um will really stay calm and trust huta or if huta will just be a casualty after all and will be gone by december yeah interesting one to follow um, Manu, is there anything that we can possibly say about Ulm who managed to put out uh, Eintracht? You know, who exactly are Ulm? I, I mean, there's going to be a lot of listeners out there going, you know, I've, I've never even heard of this side. Is there anything interesting that you can tell us about them? Yeah, they used to be in the Bundesliga, and um, people might remember Ralf Rangnick, the Current sporting director and head coach of Leipzig, he, that was his first gig, um, back in, oh, Constantine 1998. Is that right? 1998. Yeah. Yeah. They got promoted to Bundesliga in 1998. And that was basically, I remember the TV show when he went on and, uh, on the ZDF sports studio and explained the, the German public how 442 works, four in the back, because no one knew we were still playing Libero at the time. So that, that's all, man. They, that was Rangnick's first. Pet project, I guess, um, before Hoffenheim and before Leipzig. And, and they were playing in the Bundesliga for one year, um, got promoted with Rangnick, but Rangnick then actually left for Stuttgart. After that, you know, after that one year, they, they were in a little bit in trouble. And I think they were all the way down in the sixth division. Um, they're now in the fourth division. So, you know, a little bit of a blast from the past, I would say, uh, with all taking out uh, Frankfurt. Yeah, so actually what happened was, what happened was they got uh, relegated from the Bundesliga in 2000 and they were down in the, in the f- uh, fifth division or sixth division. It's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky because the, these, these division changes, uh, all the time, but, uh, they were down, uh, within a year because, uh, they were unsolved. So that was kind of, kind of a fall, uh, of a downfall, uh, within a two or two or three year span, um, back then. And they haven't really recovered from that because it's, yeah, it's tough to recover from something like that. But Rangnick's original laboratory. Keep that in mind. That's uh, it's a really a neat backstory. That's where it all started, um, and when German football finally got rid of the libero. Wow! So, so definitely interesting things to point out about Ulm. I, I was wondering whether you would say, no, nah, not really. But <laughs> there was plenty. There was plenty. Uh, but, but guys, uh, Frankfurt weren't the only side to uh, drop out uh, from the Bundesliga. We also seen Stuttgart drop out the hands. To the hands of Hansa Rockstock. Um, I mean, this is also a bit of a shock, but, um, it, it, do you expect it's going to be a difficult year for Stuttgart, Constantine? I mean, they were the promoter side last year and, and did very well by all accounts. 
Um, can you see them doing as well this year? Um, do you think them getting knocked out of the cup might actually help them focus um, on, on the league, maybe? Well, that's that's a tricky one, actually, um, because I think squad-wise, or if you if you just if you just take the take the squad of Stuttgart, they are above average. They are top eight, top seven, I think, but their coach isn't. So um, you 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 don't know how much worth a, a squad like that is if you got a coach like Korkut who hasn't really proven that he can manage a side up to you know seven or six or something like that. Um, he, he's certainly capable of managing a, a club to 14th or 15th, but that's not what Stuttgart wants, especially with, you know, it's a couple of signings and last year of Pavar at the club. You know, I mean, you don't know what with Askasi Bar happens uh, in the near future. So, you know, they want to use these players uh, for as long as they have them. Um, so, yeah, uh, I I could see Stuttgart really making a run for the Europa League place, uh, but I could also see them really having trouble because of Korkut. Um But if he gets his players running and you know doesn't interfere too much, um, basically does what he did at, at the end of last season because it worked kind of well. But Ginchek is gone, so he has to mix up things again. Um, I, I could see Stuttgart make, really making a run and you know giving giving even uh, Leipzig or. A few other clubs, we will come to league uh, table predictions later, but um, uh, give Leipzig or other clubs uh, a run for their money. Um, and, and you know, they lost to Rostock. Same dynamic. Rostock has, is a bit of, uh, is it ambitious in the third league? Uh, only 10th right now, but still. Um, and they, you know, played at home. Pretty good crowd there. Um, and, you know, it, that's it's specific dynamic. You know, they they came with with uh, confidence, and Stuttgart wasn't really warmed up, and well, things like that happen, I guess. Yeah, well, they certainly certainly did well to knock out their uh, well, the, as the, being the underdogs, what we say, but um, other teams that uh, overperformed as well. You would say over the weekend um, included uh, Bayern's game, where yes, they had. 28 shots uh, to three, but um, only one one nil, and and with um, quite a few uh, players that you would imagine to to start in that that starting eleven come this weekend. Um, Manu, what what exactly does this say? Is there anything we could take from it um, and possibly say that you know Kovac you may have a few difficulties this season, or should we not read into this game too much? Yeah, I mean. Constantine is quite right. Bayern, I mean, we spoke off pot that Bayern didn't do so well in the, in the Super Cup, right? Um, despite winning that game handily. And I think there's going to be a lot of issues, um, with this Bayern side. Um, a one nil win against the fourth division side in, in the cup is, doesn't bode well for, for a season. I think there's a lot of work ahead for, for Kovac and when they're going to play against some of the bigger teams, um, it's going to be a struggle. Um, I think Ribery and Robin really showing the age. Lewandowski fully committed still. I mean, he's renewed his contract with Sahavi, the Israeli super Asian who likes to transfer players away from big clubs. So uh, there's a lot of question marks. There's still a question marks whether Thiago is actually going to stay. Boateng is still in the shopping window because Bayern want to spend big time next year um, on new players. So they, they're trying to, to free up as many assets as possible. I, I'm not sure. Um, we'll see. Uh, that first match against Hoffenheim is going to be a big one for them. But 
you know, at the same time, the cup win, and we, we should probably talk about Dortmund as well, because I saw a Bayern account making fun of Dortmund's result against third 2-1 victory in overtime. You know, second, uh, playing against a second division side that has done very well this year, um, in bringing in quite a lot of good players and, is a lot more difficult, I think, than what Bayern faced in uh, Drochters and Asel uh, in the first in the first leg of the uh, first um, round of the Pokal. Yeah, most certainly. I think I think a few of the big sides are going to experience um, a, f- a few issues, um, uh, difficulties uh, this season. And yeah, I, I feel that we do need to talk about Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Constantine, we we've seen tonight them just about scrape by in extra time with a uh, with a two one victory. Um, and talk about. Tr- transitional years I mean it's probably going to be the case for uh, for Dortmund as well isn't it uh, actually I don't think so <laughs> uh, uh, <to laughs> maybe I'm wrong fra- I don't know I mean probably you're right and I'm wrong I don't I don't know because I see Dortmund still after you know one match against as as Manu mentioned one of the better sides of the second Bundesliga right now so I mean it was it was a team you have to take seriously hmm. uh, it's not some some kind of Cannon fodder. Um, but I see Dortmund, um, as one of the two favorites for the, for the uh, domestic championship, for the German championship right now. Um, I think they have a, f- a few issues, um, in terms of, um, what, you know, the center forward position because they only have Philip and, um, Royce played against Fürth. So there is a bit of an issue there. Um, they don't have the kind of traditional center forward right now. They still, Looking for one, that's why there are rumors out there, or Ichi, or maybe Paco Alcacer. There are some rumors out there because they are, they want another, or they want one at traditional center forward because Alexander Isak doesn't really work that well right now. It's just, you know, it's just working with him. Uh, he, he might be someone, you know, have, have to go out on loan and, um, pick up some playing time somewhere else. Uh, but other than that, I think Dortmund overall, they will do very well defensively on the far threat. They have done already in the preseason. Um, they will do well in transition because they have all these these great players with Götze, Morris, and so on, uh, who just naturally that they, they, they gets them. They, they can really uh, do well in transition attacks. And if you have a Favre-like pressing system, that's what you can do. You, know, you have all these turnovers, these, these interceptions and then you can go from there. Um, they might struggle a bit in, in terms of build up, but they have the right tools there. Dahoud, Witzel, um, the center backs, the two, Akanji and Diallo, they are good to really good ball playing center backs. So it's more about tactics, mechanisms, you know, finding the right, uh, place you have to set up. Um, and if they find a center forward or if they get Philip, um, in you know just in the condition to to be um the center forward they need then i think they can do really well in, in this year and far better than the past two years um because Bayern aren't that intimidating this year i don't i don't think so at least so it, it isn't like dortmund is like uh, on top of the world again but it's more it, it might be a slower race to the to the uh, championship this year and um that's why um yeah i i, I rate dortmund really highly um, and the match at Fürth, yeah, well, what's, Fürth did, did better than I expected them, actually. Um, and since Dortmund didn't score early, um, Fürth had the chance to score relatively late. And, but that's Dortmund. They can bring in someone like Axel Witzel and, you know, after seven, seven minutes or so, 
17 minutes and um, then he scores. So that's also something you have to um, take into account. Dortmund's bench is pretty good and they have a lot of great midfielders and all are technically gifted. No, there's no Gonzalo Castro anymore. No, mm. uh, there's still Sebastian Rode, but he, he's, he's basically, um, only a warm body. Um, not, not more like that. And, and you, you got all these gifted players. Uh, that's, that's what Dortmund is all about right now. Um, and two really athletic center backs. So, I mean, they got that right. They can get the center forward, uh, thing going. Then I think they can really make a run. Witzel, instant impact today. That's exactly why they signed him. It's, you know, to, to provide that kind of leadership and to come in. Who that was a late goal um, to get that win, but I think that's basically why you sign players like that, right? I mean, Witzel, yes, he's he's there to have that impact in midfield. But when you look at the kind of players, and when you look at um, one of the starts starts companies that I like to follow, follow is Goal Impact, right? And they right away they released a tweet after Witzel was signed. It's like this is the impact player that you need as a big club and you know he's on the pitch for 20 minutes he's already earned back some of his transfer money um i think that's exactly the kind of players that were missing at times last year and the center forward thing is an issue i think we saw some of that today although philip um didn't start right i'd be curious to see how he does when he actually gets the full playing time I think that they need to bring in someone. I don't think it needs to be Origi or um, Paco um, Alcazar, right, from Barcelona. He was the name that was mentioned today. I think they need someone who can is a bit of a more of a playing forward, someone basically a young Miroslav Klose, I think, is what they are looking for, uh, who they need um, right now. But I think those are things that, that can be addressed. Um, as for this championship race, I'm I'm really curious about that one i guess that kind of transitions us to the next topic but constantine you bring it up it will be a lot slower race i reckon that it will be a very slow race to the top this year um, and when i made my league prediction league table prediction we'll have to talk about that later i had a really hard time putting a team on the number one i mean the easiest one would be to just say oh it's going to be bayern again but i don't think that's necessarily going to happen um, because the top four is so deep this year well, I think you're right, Manu. I think that's what we have to get onto now. We have to talk about um, talk about the the coming season. And I suppose, uh, Constantine, you you mentioned that you you think it's going to be much closer this year. But do you actually think that uh, somebody is going to win the league, uh, but Bayern Munich? Yeah, I actually think that Dortmund uh, will. I mean, will win the league. Yeah. That's, that's basically what I think right now. It's, it's, uh, it comes down to things. Uh, I mean, it's, it's more or less, is Bayern not strong enough to win the league? So Dortmund will pick up, um, basically, uh, the championship. Um, it's, it's more like that, I think. Um, because Dortmund is stronger than last year. It's not as strong as they should, uh, should be to beat like Bayern from two or three years ago. But they are stronger, I think. Um, Farfra has, the, this you know the the magic uh, to s- at least stabilize a team um to get them on track and keep them there um th- you know what what Bosch didn't do uh, last season basically and also what what uh, Tuchel sometimes struggles to do especially in, in the second year he didn't really do that had, had, a, had a few issues there um Faber can do that so um they will get points um and frequently repeatedly um they will lose not that many matches as we have seen when Farfa coached at Gladbach. 
Um, he's someone who suffers only a few defeats over the course of his season if everything goes well. Um, and Bayern, it comes down to two things. Um, first, Kovac, I'm not sold on him as a um, tactical mind. I think he has authority, charisma. Um, you know, the locker room follows him. Still, um, you need more than that. Carlo Angelotti learned that, by the way, <laughs> uh, when he came and after Pep Guardiola. Um, and you need more than that because Bayern Munich, they will be forced to make adjustments against a lot of teams because still most teams will sit deep, will wait, will try to park the bus. So just playing the same system, the same things over and over again, don't bring you far enough. Uh, especially because this year, Bayern is still, you know, on the individual level, they are still above everyone else uh, by a mile. Uh, at least you know, outside of Dortmund, maybe. Um, but the, the squad is thinner. They had a World Cup. A disappointing one for some, a longer one for others. Um, and also, y- there has to be a decline. Somewhat, sometime in the future, there has to be a decline of rubber rehab. That's why they are collecting all this money. That's why they are saving all this money, mm. because they are looking for the for the big uh, for the big signing next summer for one or two, they are looking for the 100 million, 120 million signing, the, you know, the continuous and empire pace of the world. Um, because they know, I mean, we can't play with Robbery, we can't play with Ribery and Robin for the next 10 years. They have Kingsley Coman who can replace one of the two, uh, but they need another one. They need a big one. Uh, they need a big fish and, and, um, that's why they are saving so much money. Um, because especially Robin has already declined athletically. He's not as quick as he was a couple of years ago. He, he he's slower. Uh, you see that he doesn't win as many triples, as many duels as he won in the past in the past few, or you know two three years ago. Um, you see, so the decline has already set in. Uh, with Ribery, it's a bit different. I think he has more longevity, uh, obviously. Or you know, but Constantine has numbers are down too. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's what I just wanted yeah. to say. Yeah, he he looks. Be- I think he looks better than Robin right now because yeah. he has he has more more tools in terms of uh, triples. You know, he yeah. can do more. He's a bit more of a of a trickster. Um, but still, he will also have have, have issues going forward. And I mean, sometimes the, these declines happen like fast. And then if they hit, if if you know, if the age curve hits you, then they hit it hard. Um, and then I don't know what they are doing because they are still using robbery. That's like. They set up Robin and Ribery. They, they, all the plays they are, they are, uh, you know, setting up. It's, it's getting involved Robin and Ribery. Mm. That, that's why Kimmich is so Kimmich is so important on the right side. That's why Alaba is so and Thiago are so important on the left side. And Müller is so important on the right. That's why they are trying to get their two wingers involved and then you know get something going. Um, if that doesn't work, then everything has is you know tied to Robert Lewandowski. So that's it. That's it. That's mm. like they—they they don't have really a bench. Who's the replacement for for Lewandowski, Sandro Wagner? Who's the replacement for Robin if if Kingsley Coman replaces Ribery? No one. So like, Gnabry. That, that's Gnabry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, but you, you see, I mean, I over a little yeah. bit here, but it's also Sule, Boateng, and Hummels. They're three center backs. They—they have one full back on the bench. It's kind of, kind of, it reminds me a little bit of, of back in the day when Pep Guardiola had only 15, 16 players at Barca. 
and, and they had uh, injury issues, and, and uh, suddenly Thiago Mota played center back. So <laughs> I don't know if you want it. Yeah, you know, actually, you bring up a few interesting things here. I mean, you made, I might want to add that I do think that Gnabry is going to be a great addition. Um, I do think that Alfonso Davis, the young Canadian, will play a major role. I do also think that they will sign someone really big next summer. Um, I mean, they're quite op- open about this. Um, I do want to add though that Boateng is in trouble. Um, he, and this is why no one is buying him, by the way, because, um, his big thigh muscle is gone. There is maybe a maximum of 20 games left in his body right now at a high level. Um, that's not enough to win the Champions League and the, and the Bundesliga. So that's, that's a big problem for them. That's why they're so desperate on cashing in on him, right? So that's, that's a really interesting issue for them. And I think, um, you're quite right that there is a real transition. For me, they have almost missed that boat where they would have said, and I think they should have done this maybe a year or so ago. Well, sorry, Robin Rip, but, um, you're just not cutting the grade anymore. We have to move on. And they, for some reason, they didn't do that. Um, they should have done that, but they didn't. And I think that's, that was a real big mistake. And signing someone like Leon Goretzka, who I think is a fantastic player. Is great, but in the current system, because the, the way you described it, Constantine, you're quite right. At four three three, right, um, or four two three one, if you put Müller behind Lewandowski. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Is not set up for someone like Goretzka. I just don't see room for him in that squad right now. I mean, yeah, he will, he will probably challenge Müller for a spot, but won't get but it. So. Why? Where? I mean, you look at the World Cup and basically this is the exact same issues that the Germany team had. Unless they changed the tactical system, which Germany should have done, right? They should have gone 352. There's no room for Goretzka. So will Kovac transition the squad away from, to, from the, that, Typical setup to three five two, but what happens if Boateng is injured? And what are you going to do to robbery? Are you just going to bench them? You know they're not going to really fit that system either. But they signed Goretzka, they signed Gnabry, um, Koman, all these players that can probably would probably be a better fit in that other system. So I see I see a lot of issues there. Well, guys, do you both agree that it's going to be a a, a Dortmund uh, Bayern Munich one two? No, we say I don't. No, 
No. Oh, okay. Well, this will get interesting then, because uh, we want to talk about not just the champions, but the contenders and also the top four. I think so. So, Manu, the the, the floor is yours. Uh, I'm I'm smelling a big return of the early two thousands when there was three or four teams challenging for the title. And, oh, I hope you're right. And you guys are going to start laughing. I'm going to throw Bayern there as a potential championship winner. And, um, Hoffenheim as well. I think Julian Nagelsmann, his aggressive statement saying, we are, we are, our maximum is winning the title. So that's what we're going for. I haven't heard a Bundesliga coach say that in a long time. And I think Hoffenheim have managed to keep the players together and they have a lot of depth up front and, uh, keeping Vogt as well as a defender. I think that was very, some very astute business. Of course, they're playing Champions League, but I think they learned quite a lot from the Europa League last year. Bayer didn't lose any players. Um, in fact, they are currently debating whether or not to sell Benjamin Hendricks, but don't really seem to care. Um, Bailey for a new contract. I hear that Bayer, the company that owns the club or partly owns the club, is starting to pour in a little bit more money. And signing Paulinho was a very good piece of business for them. So here's a club that hasn't lost any stars. Yes, they lost Bernd Leno, but I, I don't know if he will make such a big Star, difference. Stars. Yeah, yeah stars. Exactly. Um, I don't think that's going to be a huge loss for them. Um, I think they can challenge for the title. And look, all we need is Hoffenheim, Bayer Leverkusen, um, Dortmund, and then of course Dortmund, uh, Leipzig and Schalke to take points off, not even all three points, but two points off Bayern. And then already you have a closer race. So I'm thinking all these teams are going to potentially challenge and that will make for a lot more competitive league. Um, it will also make it very difficult to um, say who's going to actually finish in the top four or even in the top six because I see six teams in the top six that I could place anywhere in that top six at the moment. Um, but I think there's a lot more competitiveness in that league at the moment. There's a lot of clubs saying, okay, look, this Bayern side, we're not going to the Allianz Arena and deliver three points. We can go there and maybe pick up a point or maybe all three. And that's a huge difference than from what we've seen the last few years. Yeah, exciting times. I, I think, uh, well, I agree completely with uh, a few the things that you've said on the top four, and I think you'll find that out as we come to the end of the show when we talk about our predictions. But um, well, well, just one point on on uh, I want to mention uh, about Hoffenheim. I mean, I agree with Leverkusen. I think Paulinho they signed Paulinho, one of the next you know sixty seventy million transfers going to to England or uh, Spain or probably England. Uh, but about Hoffenheim, I think they have, they could make a run. Problem problem is Lucas Rupp, uh, Karen Demirbay, Amiri, and Geiger are all out for the next couple of months. So well, it's Nagelsmann, Constantine. Still, they don't have really a midfield, and you've that's. I mean, he can work around some things, but he can't work around uh, losing his entire creativity department. And he lost it. I mean, he lost all three playmakers. So now he he now has to deal with uh, Bittencourt as one of his center midfielders. I mean, that can work out against some, but I don't think that will work uh, for the next until the end of November or so. So then we'll be. I mean, that's why I was surprised by that aggressive statements, by the way. Because <laughs> if you, you know, if you lose all your players you need in the midfield, and I mean, he needs them, uh, that's kind of, kind of hard to swallow, right? Yeah, but I don't think Hoffenheim are done yet when it comes to the business end of things. Um, so I, I'm, I don't know. For some reason, I'm just not worried about that at all. I think that Nagelsmann has in the past been able to surprise us and, reinvent players that we didn't think can play a role and i think he's going to be just fine i mean the big test for them 
match day one, Konstantin, is going to be against Bayern. I think that's going to give us a real, give us a real good indication, um, of where they're going to go. But the thing is, and I think a lot of teams in the Bundesliga and German teams in general seem to lack this. And Hoffenheimer is one of the few that don't have those problems, the strikers. I mean, they, they can field four strikers if they want to. You know, and with Joel Linton, they, they brought one back who I think has, has quite a good future ahead of him as well. So I'm, I, I don't know. For, for, I don't, it's not something that really worries me at the moment. Of course, they might get hammered 4-0 in Munich on match day one, and then I'll be sitting here looking like an idiot, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, Manu, what, what about Schalke? Uh, are, are we ruling them out of a possible top four finish? I am. I'm not sure Domenico Tedesco can change his ways. Um, he will need to play a lot more creative football next season. I'm not sure he can do that. And this is actually something that I'm really curious to hear your opinion about, Constantine, because do you think he can reinvent himself? I don't know if he has to reinvent himself, but uh, uh, what he certainly has to do is uh, kind of further develop um, position style of his team, because last year was... M- Mostly, especially early on, and then um, in some phases of the season later on, uh, was all about you know, defending and getting these long counterattacks going, um, which kind of, of course work, um, and it worked quite well last year. Um, problem is they lost uh, Max Meyer, so I'm kind of intrigued to see how they will place him because Ben Delep, good player, not not the kind of playmaker. Um, you need in the number six role. Um, they signed Mascarell, they signed Su- uh, Suat Serra. So two interesting players. I'm I'm just intrigued to see how you know you you will manage to replace Max Meyer because Max Meyer was was um, pivotal to to the last year's system. Um, and if you got one of these you know hybrid playmakers, you know hybrid between uh, holding midfielder and playmaker, if you got one of the, these guys really established uh, in the number six role, then you can play two attacking midfielders. And I think he needs to play two attacking midfielders um, to to get more presence up or in, in higher zones to get this possession football or style football going. Um, and because Tedesco, that that is what he has to do. But in the past few years, last year and the year before when he coached uh, Erzgebirge Auer, it was mostly about defending and, you know, these, these, these counter-attacks. So... Um, it will be interesting to see. But yeah, you're right. There needs to be the next step made. Um, and I don't know if he can. If he doesn't do the next step, I still see Schalke finishing fourth or fifth. Um, the squad is kind of well balanced and overall they have enough players to do that. Um, and also, I, I don't know, I don't know why, but Schalke isn't like out of their mind. Uh, anymore, like there were a few years ago, where just there was trouble all the time, and there was crisis all the time, and there were bad, negative headlines all the time. Um, I don't see that anymore. I think they have calmed down because of last season. They have seen, okay, if we we have given a uh, kind of a no name the job, and we just let him do his job, um, and that worked wa- very well. And um, they didn't spend too much money. And this summer they sold Kara, uh, which is of course not, not great to sell Kara, uh, but it was, you know, they saw it coming. Um, if you look at who's, who his agent was, who, who the agent of Meyer is, you can kind of see that, see things like that coming these days, uh, with Schalke. Um, but yeah, 
after all, they signed Sané uh, and the midfielders I mentioned, um, and Mark Oud from Hoffenheim. So they did well, and they didn't spend too much money. So they are like they aren't in immediate crisis mode again. Like in some years, they spent so much money during the summer, like Wolfsburg, uh, and then they lost a few matches, and you know it was crisis right right away. And that's not how that might be um, next season. Even though they might have a bit of a bumpy start or so you know, have a few tough matches early on um in, including Gladbach including um away match at Gladbach and at, at home against Bayern so that's of course can be a bumpy start but yeah well I that, don't for- no, guys I, su- I suppose that that means uh before we talk about the likes of a relegation battle you know who's going to be you know, thereabouts, you know, just outside the top four. I mean, Manu, we, we haven't spoken about RB Leipzig yet. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt, we've touched on a little bit of being a, a bit of a transitional year, but then you've got Gladbach, Stuttgart, you know, you've got Hertha. I mean, the, the list goes on. I mean, who do you see having a good year? Yeah, I think we mentioned Frankfurt quite a bit already. Same with Stuttgart. Um, Gladbach, yeah, no one's talking very much about them. I'm really curious to see if Hacking is, is for me a coach that really has to show it this year. Otherwise he might be gone. Um, Stuttgart mentioned him. Werder Bremen is an interesting one for sure. I think that they could maybe challenge for a seventh or eighth spot. Um, Leipzig is for me a candidate for the top four. I'm not sure if they're going to make, make it, but they're definitely a candidate. Um, but yeah, I don't really, for me, this top six is quite cemented at the moment and I can't really see anyone breaking into that. Um, and, for me, the top six is Schalke, Leipzig, Hoffe, Bayern, Dortmund, and Leverkusen. Not necessarily in that order, but that's for me. That's the top six, and it's very much cemented um, for me next year. Constantine, out of the um, sides that we've uh, mentioned um, just in the last few moments, um, is, is there anyone there that you can really see um, having a fantastic season? Um, anyone you'd like to uh, you know, draw our eyes to? Yeah, um, while I see Leipzig, uh, speaking of transitional year, Leipzig really has a transitional year. Um, already signed Nagelsmann, so, you know, they, they have set up things for the future. I don't see uh, them having a good year. Uh, while, meanwhile, Werder Bremen and Wolfsburg are the two teams I would point to, uh, when it comes to maybe surprises and, and having great years. Um, I think Wolfsburg will do well for them. Bruno Lavadia, if you look at his uh, track record, typical, um, you know, sixth, seventh place coach. Um, so I, I could see him doing that. Um, you know, he, he won't get a challenge for a title or something. No, nowhere near that, but he's like the, the kind of guy you, you get and then you, you play Europa League next year. Um, and Werder Bremen, you know, signed David Larsen, um, I'm sold on Kofeld, um, and I think they, they have a, you know, a new style of attacking football. I like that. It's, it's a bit different than most of the other teams, uh, in like in the, in the midfield of the Bundesliga. So I think, um, better frame could do quite well. Um, while Gladbach also, I think they have, they will have issues because of hacking and because they don't really have center backs, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, is injured. Uh, and now they play with Janschke and Matthias Ginter. Congratulations. That's uh, not what you need to do anything other than maybe uh, 10th, 9th, 8th in, in the Bundesliga. <laughs> and uh, Constantine, then I'm, I'm going to ask you the next question then. 
who's going down this season? I mean, who do you have um, maybe down on your better paper there that uh, isn't going to make it um, another year in this in in the Bundesliga? Oh, I think uh, Hannover. Um, they lost Honig, they lost Sané. Um, didn't do well in the transfer market, in my opinion. I think I I. I Actually, I predicted last year that they would go down immediately after going up. Um, they had a, a great start, kind of uh, picked up the points they needed because then, uh, you know, uh, basically reality hit in and um, they got back to normal and played bad. Um, so the, the points they uh, picked up early on uh, kind of saved them. I mean, not many talked about that, uh, but they only finished uh, 13th uh, with kind of a great start. I mean, being up there in, in the in the Champions League uh, spot. So, um, yeah, I think uh, they, have, uh, they, they will go down. And also then it will be kind of close between, in my opinion, between Freiburg and Nuremberg. And Nuremberg, because they they basically are a second Bundesliga side. It's uh, if, if you, they come as close as it gets of being, of playing in the Bundesliga and being a second Bundesliga side. Um, and Freiburg, because I kind of see them. It's not like that could be the year they will be go, uh, down, going down again, then you know, being promoted a year or two later. Uh, that's kind of their thing. Um, I've, I guess they, they have a balanced squad, but sometimes a balanced squad doesn't work in your favor. They don't have any uh, difference makers. Uh, they lost to Yunchi. Um, and I think even Strike, I, I mean, great coach. All things considered, but all, sometimes, you know, his, his, his dictionary is limited. And, um, yeah, I, I think he could, he could get in, um, deep waters, uh, this season with Freiburg. So it will be kind of, kind of, uh, close between these three teams. But at Nuremberg is really the, I think the first call because they don't really have a, a Bundesliga team. So it w- would be a situation where maybe they survive one season, but I, I don't even see that happening. I disagree with Nuremberg completely. I, I think that they, uh, I mean, I guess I have to stick it up for my fellow Bavarians, uh, Franconians, place of well, the, the most they, famous yeah, Prat- they, they are not Bavarians. As no, as no, as no, no. Myself, they are not Bavarians. They are part of the Freistaat Bayern. Okay. Constantine. Right, it's, okay. It's, it's, okay. It's, it's set the borders here correctly. <laughs> no, but, um, but in all seriousness, I, I do think that they are going to be fine. Um, Kölner plays a wonderful style of football that, um, I think will suit this league better than the second division in, in all honesty, you know, that the quick passing style of football. And I think that they're going to be, I mean, of course they're going to did not finish the top half of the table and they're going to still finish in that relegation zone, but I don't think they're going to get relegated. For me, I'm more worried about Düsseldorf, um, because I, I went to a couple of the games last year and I, I did not see, um, a Bundesliga side when I watched them play, um, at all. I just thought that they, they were boring, stale. I can't see them survive. I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with Hannover. I think that they're in big trouble because of all everything else that's going on, not just on the field, but also off the pitch, right? With the 50 plus one, the decision whether or not the club is going to be, um, handed over to Kent or not. The, the bank, the, 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 the fact that the ultras are boycotting a lot of the games. I think sooner or later that will spill over into bad results. And when that spills over into bad results, ooh, then that's a time bomb ticking. And I think that could really cause some trouble. And, um, also my favorite guys, Augsburg, um, I think that they could be in trouble as well this year. 
Oh, there's a surprise. <laughs> just one last word on, on Nuremberg. I mean, it's, it's just bad that uh, the best Nuremberg players uh, play for Schalke. Yeah, true, but they did. I mean, I mean, they did bring in some really good signings um, as well. And I think, you know, Konstantin Nuremberg as a city and this, as a club is a sleeping giant. We have to remember these. Are, this is a club that's a nine-time champion. Um, but they didn't really sign anyone. Um, they signed Gordon from Cologne. Yeah, that's a youth player. They know from Hamburg, and they signed Mantegna from Hamburg, but he's now really number two. The, yeah, uh, yeah, they signed Kuba two, today. Fredlo will. Oh, yeah. Um, they're signed Palicio Martinez and, and who you, of course, know from Leipzig, right? Um, who I think yeah, is going to Palicio have a breakout. Martinez, I mean, he is crazy reserve player at Leipzig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, reserve. absolutely. But I do believe that Kölner knows what he's doing and Nuremberg are stabilized as a club. Um, I, I have a good, I have a good feeling about them. I know that the style of football also just suits this I, league better. It, it, at least someone like Palicio Martinez, I mean, yeah, he has like, experienced horrible years after uh, scoring a, a thousand goals for the youth uh, mm. teams of Wolfsburg. Um, crazy a thousand goals. I mean, he's, he, look it up. He scored uh, plenty of goals every yeah. season. Um, and he's he's a small player and also a small ball uh, striker. So, I mean, at least give it to Kölner that he signs someone, uh, you know, someone who has, has disappointed, but someone who might fit his style. So, at least, you know, at least that's uh, kind of you know, where I have to give him credit because uh, i mean he could have gone for you know the big guy uh, up front but he signed palacio martinez uh, it, w- it would be an interesting story if he can really recover because at leipzig he bombed and played fifth division football for a year or two yeah he needs to really show that he's the player that he was at youth level Haha, <laughs> I love all these predictions. It's great stuff. We'll just have to see who's right <laughs> when it comes to uh, Nuremberg. Eh? Time will tell. But uh, I suppose while Constantine is on here, it, it would be a shame not to talk um, a bit more in depth about uh, tactics. And Constantine, we've obviously had a very busy summer of football with the World Cup uh, and whatnot. Um, and it would just be interesting to hear your take on, on on the tactics that are going around these days. I mean, what what is the current trend? What's the, going to be the next trend? I mean, the, there's always changes, isn't there? You know, at one stage it was possession football, uh, at one stage it was four four two. I mean, what what works at the moment, and what's what's here to stay? I mean, at least looking back at the World Cup, uh, what what's really working right now is corner kicks. Um, <laughs> um, yes, right corner right. kicks are back. Yes, the English will <laughs> agree with you. Uh, of course, um, they they like to just ho- hoof it up there. Um, no, but uh, what, what's Speaking of corner kicks, I mean, it's not only about corner kicks, but really what 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 works these days or what works quite well is if you um, detect. Like repetitive movements in the game. It's it's not only it's not corner kicks, free kicks, but it's also build up plays, um, goalkeeper passes, stuff that that's get that repeats itself over and over again. So you can coach that, you can train that day in day out, basically. Uh, and some coaches do that. These they they see what can what can I really teach my players uh, and what. Uh, it's not possible really teaching them. And Pep Guardiola does it, for instance. Mm. You know, he sets up his attacking players, and then he say, "Okay, you're great enough. Go from there. Do what you do best." I don't really give you uh, basically, um, uh, you know, so- something like like a plan what you do in the in the last third of the pitch, but I teach you what you have to do in the first and uh, second third of the of the pitch. What you have to do to get the ball there, to set up 
Aguero, to set up Gabriel Jesus, these kind of players, to set up Leroy Sané, and then do your magic, you know, one-on-ones, whatever you want to do. Then it's more about instincts and it's more about just pure talent. Um, so, so other coaches do that as well. I mean, corner kicks is also a great thing because you can basically train them for, you know, every day. You can do that all the time, um, and can repeat it and repeat it, uh, and can, can set up blocks, can, can do uh, different schemes. And so like American football, basically, you know, had a few schemes and you, you test them and, and use them, um, and then, you know, refine them. Um, and the defending sides have really a hard time defending them. Um, so that's that's one thing. Uh, I think in terms of coaching, uh, it really comes down to that that um, many coaches see what you really can can learn your players and what you uh, what your players can really learn in in training and what they can't, and where it really comes down to talent. And uh, next thing is athleticism. I think I mean with France winning the winning the um, World Cup, um, you can really see that um, pure athleticism is something. Has been a bit underestimated, I think, uh, for a few years because for whatever reason, people thought that like these teams like Barcelona, uh, weren't physical and athletic. They were, of course. Um, and Bayern proved it and Real Madrid proved it and, uh, France did it as well. So, um, in the past few years, uh, you can see that athleticism works quite well, always coupled with the right tactical approach. And that comes and then we are coming to uh, possession football because I, I mean, Possession football is like, uh, I don't really watch Walking Dead, but I guess it's like a character on Walking Dead. Um, there, it has died, uh, about 15 death, uh, possession football, but it comes back. It's always back. Uh, why? Because possession football doesn't die. Um, why does, I mean, just look at the World Cup. France, there will be a lot of people who claim that France didn't play possession football. Of course they did. I mean, um, but they set it up differently than maybe, uh, Barcelona or Manchester City or, or our teams or maybe Arsenal back in the day. What you have to do in terms of possession football, and I think a lot of coaches are more practical and have a more practical approach, same with Sinidinsi done the past few years, is that you have to, uh, find out or maybe, um, basically have to define who are your key players. Is it Mbappé? Okay. What makes Mbappé great? One-on-one situations isolated. All right. How can I set up, build up plays, possession football? How can I set up them to get him into isolated one-on-one situations? It, so it's still possession football because you play out from the back. You still were on and Umtiti. They had a lot of, a lot of passes. Or they had, had to play a lot of passes. You know, they had ball possession over and over again, but it's different. It's a bit more fast paced than maybe Barcelona or Manchester City. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not possession football. And it doesn't mean you can't also counterattack if you get the chance and if you, if your pressing is, is, uh, you know, working and you've got turnovers. All right. That's, that's fine. But possession football doesn't die. Uh, but it changes its face. Um, and it, it's the same. Even Pep Guardiola, who's like the, uh, often claimed like the, uh, bad evil of, uh, the evil mastermind of possession football, uh, maybe, but I don't know why. But uh, even he, when he won the uh, English Championship with Manchester City, he changed the race. He let his team play uh, out of the back. That's why Leroy Sané had all these great situations, one-on-one, one-on-two. Why? Because he was isolated on the left side. Why was he isolated on the left side? Because he set it up that way. Um, because, uh, you know, Delft moved inside and uh, they basically... Uh, 
let the ball circulate on the right and that, uh, then uh, play a fast uh, or a quick pass to Leroy Sané and then he was isolated. And isolation is one of the key things you, you got, uh, you see these days. Um, because our, our, if, if you don't isolate your great triplers, they don't really have the chance to, to get in this one-on-one situation because it's just too packed. Most of teams are too compact these days. They, they, they move, they, they switched sides. Um, the, when you're defending, so you need to set up something. Um, as I said, with Mbappe or maybe with, with Sané. So possession football doesn't die, but it changes its face. Um, and if Spain goes out after they fire Lobetigi one day before the World Cup uh, starts, uh, that, that's not really an argument for possession football dying. Same with Germany, because Germany made one crucial mistake. I mean, Manu mentioned that maybe mm. they should have switched to a free, uh, free five two. Maybe that's, that's one thing. Or they should have just have one pure holding midfielder because all the great possession teams had one. You know, Sergio Busquets, for instance. Oh, Mats Hummels just needs to head home that one ball. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. But, but then they would have uh, been beaten decisively by Brazil. I don't so, think so. I, I saw Brazil at this World Cup. I don't think they would have beaten any of the big teams. But you're, ah, quite, but so. you're quite right. I think that possession football isn't that. I think it's just the way that we perceive it is different. I, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I talked about Rudy, by the way, you know, yeah. when, when G- Germany had Rudy on the pitch for 25 minutes against Sweden, it was the best 25 minutes of a German team for in a long time. Uh, but you're, you're obviously right. And I don't know why people wish, uh, possession football to die. I don't know. Don't, don't they like sophisticated approaches to the game? Uh, I mean, it's the same, like, it's, it's only counter pressing and transition attacking, like entertaining. I don't think so. I mean, there's, there are different styles of football entertaining. And, and while I, I find it so intriguing that Pep Guardiola and that a few other coaches right now are changing the way, uh, possession football is played while someone like Jurgen Klopp also tries to, to change the way his mm. style of football, the, the, the counter pressing high volume style. Cause he mixes in a few other elements. He mixes in a more, uh, ball playing midfield, a more creative midfield. That's why they signed Nabi Keita. That's why, um, they signed, help me out, Fabinho. Um, so, you know, they also try to ch- to mix it up a bit. Um, but in terms of possession football, it has started, I think, two years ago. And we will see um, the result this year and next year, I think, because Real Madrid won't win the um, Champions League again. Because I think this year will be, again, a, a more of a pure possession uh, uh, team more mm. possession foot style football team, whatever. Yeah, that's that's a weird word, right? And that's I think um, Constantine. I think that's why Dortmund will have a good chance of winning the title because I mean, Favre likes to play that kind of football, doesn't he? Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting one to watch. He at least likes to to mix things up a bit. Yeah. You know, he's yes. Some some people say he's a pure pressing uh coach, but he isn't. He's no, no he's not. Uh, especially in, now he's at Dortmund, I and mean, maybe in a few phases during his. His uh, stint at Gladbach, yeah, he was more of a pure pressing coach, but that has, obviously that's not the case when he coaches a team like Dortmund. And what he likes to do is also mix things up in, in another way. He wants to have uh, um, basically secured passing in his in, in, in his team's half. That that means they have two center backs, two midfielders, two uh, deep um, pos- deeply positioned uh, fullbacks. So six players, you know, six players who are basically securing the ball. And then, then the, when the transition, when, when, when the ball is moved to Royce, to Götze, to, uh, Philip or Sancho, um, then it gets really fast. Suddenly they, they, they speed up 
and and it gets really fast. That's what uh, Favre tries to do. So he plays possession football in a completely different way again. You know, more, more a little bit more like maybe France did at the World Cup. Yeah. So that's well, what's so interesting about it. Constantine, I, th I think that then is going to have to bring us to our final topic. We're, we're going to have to gloss over this fairly quickly, the three of us, I think, because we're a bit short on time. But um, Constantine, give us your prediction, your league prediction. We want uh, from uh, first to very last. Yes. Um, so, I, as I mentioned, I think Borussia Dortmund will win. So, I got Dortmund, uh, Bayern Munich's uh, runner-up. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen third, Schalke fourth, uh, Hoffenheim fifth, Wolfsburg sixth, uh, Leipzig seventh, uh, Stuttgart eighth. Um, sorry, sorry, uh, Bremen eighth, Stuttgart nine, uh, Gladbach ten, uh, Frankfurt eleven, Mainz twelve, uh, Düsseldorf thirteenth, Augsburg fourteenth, Hertha fifteenth, uh, Nuremberg Nuremberg sixteenth, uh, Freiburg and Hannover will go down. Ooh. Ho ho. And Manu, well, <laughs> the floor is yours, as I said. <laughs> so I got, uh, yes, bring it out, Bryce. Uh, champion will be Bayer Leverkusen. Second will be Dortmund. Third will be Bayern. Yes. Fourth will be Hoffenheim. Again, that top four, I'm not 100% sure that's how it's actually going to end because I think it's going to be super tight. But that's just how I have it down at this very moment. No excuses. No excuses. No, I said it on, <laughs> it's on record. I have Leipzig as fifth, Schalke as sixth, Bremen as seventh, Mainz eighth, Gladbach ninth, Wolfsburg tenth, Berlin eleventh, Stuttgart twelfth, Frankfurt thirteenth, Nuremberg fourteenth, Freiburg fifteenth, Hannover sixteenth, Augsburg seventeenth, and Düsseldorf finishing last. Augsburg seventeenth. What do you like? Uh, I suppose I better have my rundown now. Uh, but what what I know, I I'm gonna say Bayern to to win. How awful of me! But then I'm gonna say Leverkusen in second, uh, Dortmund third, Hoffenheim fourth, Schalke fifth, uh, RB Leipzig sixth, seventh Gladbach, eighth Mainz, ninth Augsburg. Yes, not seventeenth. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt tenth, Stuttgart eleventh, Werner Bremen twelfth. Dusseldorf 13th, Wolfsburg 14th, 15th, Hertha Berlin, 16th, Freiburg will play um, Holsten Kiel in the playoff final uh, or the relegation final. Um, and then 17th, Nuremberg and 18th, Hanover. So there you go, fellas. Are you suggesting uh, I'm biased, Bryce? I'm not at all. I have suggested that for two years now. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's. You might, you might be on to something. But anyway, guys, we have talked enough. Uh, I think we've discussed uh, just about everything today. Constantine, it has been fantastic to have you on. I can listen to you talk about tactics all day long. But unfortunately, we've just run a bit short on time. Uh, where can people find you on the likes of uh, Twitter? Or what have you got going on coming up that you'd like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, so obviously, yeah, they can find me on Twitter uh, at cc underscore Eckner. Um... So that's that thing. I mean, they can check out spielverlagerung.com or the um, people who can uh, comprehend German. They can also check out spielverlagerung.de. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it right now. Just check out our articles. I mean, the, the Bundesliga season is starting uh, in a few days, and then we'll have uh, four more articles um, on there because it, it was a bit quiet after the World Cup, but that will change, obviously. Uh, and what is your uh, Twitter um, handle there? All right, um, our uh, Spielverlag um, at uh, Spielvercom. 
Oh, brilliant. Um, definitely head over there, people, and, and give Constantine a, a follow as well. Uh, plenty of uh, uh, awesome content. Uh, Manu, what have you got going on this week, apart from not being able to leave the house? Yeah, um, being confined to the house means that I finished all the Champions League playoff previews. They're on footballgrad.com. I finished part one of the Bundesliga preview. That's on fußballstadt.com. And then, um, yeah, part two will be out, I guess, by the time this podcast comes out. Part three will be out on Wednesday. And then I'm doing um, a new segment on prosoccerusa.com. Um, There's, of course, the, the page I cover the White Cups for. But because of the big Alfonso Davis move and because of so many U.S. players and in the future Canadian players playing in the Bundesliga, we're going to do... Uh, North Americans Abroad coming up and that first article um, will be coming out this week, um, which will be a little bit of a preview on what the North American players can expect in the upcoming Bundesliga year. Fantastic. Also, it's very interesting. You guys are both very busy. And yes, um, if you need any other um, articles to read up on or previews, there's Always plenty at Football Grad Live uh, on Twitter. Um, head over that way. Guys, thanks very much for tuning in at this week. As always, uh, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11. And that more or less does it. Yes, bring on the football. The Bundesliga starts again this weekend. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed the preview uh, and we hope that you enjoy the games even more. I'll feed us in. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.